Welcome to the Arrest or Mimics podcast with your host Ben Talon. Hello and welcome to Arrest or Mimics. My name is Ben Talon. This is the Original Thinking and Creative Innovation podcast. How is everyone? We've had a little bit of sunshine. It's a nice refreshing change and it shouldn't be in the summer, but it's cool. Um, I've just got back. I'm knackered. I may sound a bit delirious today. I've been at New Designers uh, 2016 for the last two days, which is nothing. If you're a student listening to this who's been down there, you guys have probably been been down there for five days, which is outrageous. I don't know how you do it. Uh, I was there last year selling my book, uh, Champagne and Wax Crayons, which is a kind of survival guide for the creative industries. And I was shattered. It was so hot and so sweaty last year. And I guess one upside of having rainy days and not so good weather is that it wasn't quite as bad. This year, down at the London Business Design Centre, which is an awesome building if you've not been down there, really huge. It's like one of those old train stations, and it's just absolutely full of amazing graduate work that just seems to get better every year. Really cool, really awesome standard of work. Uh, In two weeks' time, I'm going to be bringing you that. I'm going to be bringing you a selection of interviews from all the awesome new graduate work from right across the country. I have to say I was shell-shocked by the sheer standard of some of the stuff going on down there, some of the interactive design, the illustration, graphic design, just really, really forward-thinking, advanced stuff that left what I was doing 10 years ago when I graduated right in the dirt, to be quite honest. It was so good, and it just makes you realise that you have to stay on top of your own game to keep up with what these guys are producing. So I'm going to be bringing you that in two weeks. I hope you enjoyed uh, last week's show. Absolutely um, fascinating stuff, of course, with Shaz from Additive talking about the whole Brexit thing, about uh, you know how creative industries can engage young people. So go back and listen to that if you missed it. It's not one to miss, trust me. It's really, really eye-opening and really thought-provoking, I felt. So I hope you agree. Let us know what you think as ever on the Twitter at Arrest on the Mix. Today we've got nothing short of a British gra- graphic design legend. And not just British, but a world leader in Adrian Shaughnessy. Um, I'm really pleased that I was able to track Adrian down, which we'll get to in a little while. Uh, but first of all, I've got to quickly thank my wonderful sponsors who make this show possible now on a weekly basis. And I hope that's a good thing for you guys. The numbers are going up all the time, which is really exciting. So keep it going. Tell your mates. Share the love. Uh, I really want my aim with this thing is to create such a huge body of inspiring stories from leaders in the creative industries so that there's endless kind of ways to dip in and hear people's experiences and tales and tips and advice uh, and as somebody laughed at on the flyer this week at new designers confessions we get the occasional confession and there's going to be some good stories on today's episode but we'll get to that in a moment so of course founding sponsor illustration limited do great work in animation illustration right across the board everything from set design to live illustration to fashion to absolutely anything sport loads of sports stuff loads of kids books really brilliant stuff uh so they're one of the world's leaders in in uh, in in that world and you know with the whole graduate thing coming up soon uh, illustration limited like a lot of illustration agencies will get hammered with submissions from students uh, from new graduates looking to be represented in an industry where it's sometimes tough without representation. So go and check them out, illustrationweb.com. Really awesome portfolios, upgrading all the time, a brilliant news section on the website. So cheers to them for being there right from the start. Uh, Heart Internet. I thought I'd do something a little bit different today. Uh, I usually give you a one bite-sized tip, you know, quite a concise tip, which I will continue to do in future. But for this show, I thought it was more apt, um, having just been down New Designers, I've got a really cool story to tell. So going down there, I've got the phone on charge until I leave the door, because I know I'm going to be taking pictures of all the brilliant work and shouting about conversations that I have. It's just such an exhausting, wonderful experience to immerse myself around such an environment, chatting to the students, chatting to the lecturers. It's just it's an inspiring stuff that keeps you on your toes, uh, expiring time, I should say. And what happened was, on the way down, I put out a tweet through the Arrest on Mimics account on Twitter saying, hey guys, I'm coming down, I'm going to you know, be checking out the work, if anyone wants to have a chat for the show, get in touch. And I don't know what it is about the creative communities, perhaps it's, it's to do with the stuff we talked about on uh, a couple of episodes ago with uh, 
Cat Rose from the Creative Introvert. Maybe we're quiet, and maybe we maybe we maybe graduates are not quite ready to kind of take on that more entrepreneurial attitude and go and make opportunities happen. But sooner or later, we all have to do that in some way, shape, or form. But one person who got back was uh, Rich Cahill from Duncan of Jordanstone College of Art and Design. Uh, that's at the University of Dundee, and, and he was on the interaction design course. And it's not particularly an area that I'd considered um, chatting to, but I was absolutely shell shocked with the sheer innovation and and you, you know wonderful use of technology that was going on in those kind of courses. So Rich got back and went, hey, "How's it going?" Uh, you know, yeah, cool. If you if you fancy a chat about um, a, a new platform that that crosses SMS text messaging, artificial intelligence, and mental health. Come, uh, come by stand FP5 and, and have a chat. So I'm like, okay, awesome, cool. Makes my life easier, yeah. So I'll be down there. So Rich then follows up and goes, that's what my stand looks like, sends me an image. Uh, and then I get this direct message going, hey, I'm popping out for my lunch back in five minutes. And I thought, right, come on, let's get down there and chat. So down I went, we went over the road and got coffee. And Rich blew my mind with the story of uh, a wonderful application, which I'm not going to spoil now, checking in two weeks' time to hear the full story. But I just wanted to emphasize the point that Rich was on point. He was looking out for the, you know, the hashtag ND16 for New Designers 2016. And there we were, having a chat. He's getting his story on the show, for better or worse. Uh, I think way better. I think it's incredible, this story, and you're going to be really wowed in two weeks' time by what Rich has been doing. Uh, but it just goes to show that if you're on point and you're making good use of hashtags, you're checking out what's going on, staying on the pulse. Look at that. He's got him, He's angled himself straight onto the show there. We, we met, we exchanged cards, uh, we got along well, and I love what Rich is doing, so we're going to stay in touch, and uh, I'm going to see where he takes things from here on out. So it's just a good little point that we talked about this a few weeks ago through Heart about engaging your audience and engaging influencers. Uh, and the hope is that the more this show goes on, that I will become an influencer myself. So there you go. Really good little story. Um, and of course, that's Heart Internet. They you know provide all this stuff, uh, advice, SEO, platforms, uh, domain names, hosting, you name it. Check them out, heartinternet.co.uk. And last but very not least, my latest sponsor, printed.com. Um, again, case in point, I was heading down to chat to students at the, all the grad fairs that were going on, and Louise Perry is a regular listener on this show, and she's always keen to kind of pass on comments, tell me how she felt about the show, and we've you know struck up a little Twitter relationship in the way these things go about what she's up to, graduating this year, of course, from uh, from Stafford University, and sorry, University of Staffordshire. That's really bad. I can't think of what the university is. Anyway, Stafford Stoke. <laughs> and uh, Louise is awesome, so she's a regular. And I have not been doing this show very long, of course, where we're you know, about to... Well, this is episode 29. And Louise basically said, got my brand new business cards in from printed.com, uh, you know, championing one of my sponsors, which was fantastic. And, uh, you know, the great thing about these grad fairs is you go around and there's so much awesome work, but there's so many people talking and it's hard to sometimes find the, the person who's, whose work you're looking at that you might like. So, of course, it's a no-brainer to go there with printed you know, printed paraphernalia. So Louise tweeted us last week, um, tagging us with a brand new business card, which was brilliant and it's awesome. I came away with a bag full of cool business cards, postcards, posters, all of which printed.com provides. So go and check them out. Very obvious, printed.com. Uh, they do over 90 um, types of products, you know, everything from larger format to brochures to um, fold-out promo stuff. So the world is your oyster and you regain full control over everything. So check them out. They're, they're absolutely brilliant, these guys, and we're looking at doing an interview together for their blog in the next couple of weeks. And they're really supporting the show. This isn't just some cheesy marketing spiel. It's They, they really believe in what I'm doing. And Quite honestly, my numbers were, were not up to a standard to have brought somebody on of the magnitude of printed.com at the stage that they did, but I went and had a coffee with them and they really believed in what we were doing and they were really passionate about supporting the arts. So a huge thank you to those guys and, and go and check out what they're doing for anything you might need, um, especially all you graduates about to go into the real world. Get printed material. It's as simple as that. It goes a lot further than digital. Digital is great for supporting it, of course, as Hart will tell you, but printed uh, material will give you a really nice keepsake to leave with someone. So check that out and check out Louise Perry's work as well. Awesome stuff. So, without further ado, today's guest, none other than the legend that is Adrian Shaughnessy. 
I've been aware of Adrian Shaughnessy's work, as anyone who who classes themselves as a respectable visual communicator really should be. Um, Adrian co-founded Intro, uh, which is a design studio that at its peak had 40 members of staff. Think about that. Two people founded a company and grew it to having over 40 people. Um, And right now, he is the head of visual communication um, at Royal College of Art. Adrian's prestige is like none other it's absolutely amazing and I'd been knocking on the door for a while because um, I'd thought about getting Adrian on thought about getting him on and thought I'm not I'm not big enough for that the, the show's not big enough to get Adrian Shaughnessy on and I wrote a, an opinion piece for computer arts as I, as I sometimes write I'm an occasional columnist for them and I, I picked up the magazine WH Smiths in Waterloo Station and I opened up the magazine and the front and centre of the opinion section is Adrian Shaughnessy, like double page spread, fantastic piece. And on the next page is me. And I was like, it was a little fanboy moment. I thought, wow, I'm you know, I've just I've written a column and I'm on the next page to Adrian fucking Shaughnessy. That's brilliant. Um really, really awesome. So so I thought, you know what? I'm going to take that as a sign. So I got on the train. I was going to Basingstoke that day. I remember it really clearly. It was a Sunday. And I thought, I'm going to email him right now. So I emailed him and said, hey, Adrian, how's it going? I just thought I'd check in. Um, we're next to each other in this month's computer arts. Um, I'm doing this podcast. I'm really passionate about it. How do you feel about coming on the show? And he got back to me the same day and said, I'm up for it. Yeah, you know, let me know when it's good. And it took four months before we could sync schedules and actually peg um, an understandably very busy man down to a time. But wonderfully and showing me so much respect, he invited me into the Royal College of Art for the first time. So there I was and sat down with a man who, like I say, co-founded Intro Design, a design agency who were known for being ahead of the curve in their use of digital digital media. Um, a real pioneer in motion graphics, you know, like wonderful videos for the likes of Primal Scream. Um, and Adrian's got some fantastic Primal Scream stories for us today about working with a band. Um, really kind of edgy, cool stuff and their experiences of working with a band he describes as the nicest people they ever worked with. So Adrian's going to take us through his journey, his wonderful journey and his journey from from heading a design agency which he no longer works at intro who was still going strong by the way uh, he tells us about you know the dot-com boom and, and how they rode that wave uh, brilliantly but how budgets have crashed since and he'll take us through you know his experience in the education system of today uh, and working at the royal college of art we're going to talk about like i said his work with primal scream um just we're going to cover everything adrian was in a great kind of hosting mood and, and just took me through his entire career and for, i kind of sat there mouth agape for the entire thing chatting about all this stuff uh so i hope you're going to take away if, if you take half away half as much as what i took away from this show you know you're in for a treat today it's absolutely wonderful adrian now runs um he co-owns unit editions their own publishing company off the back of his uh, legendary book how to be a graphic designer without losing your soul which sell eighty thousand plus copies just think about that stop for a moment eighty thousand plus copies unbelievable um you must read it. You must read the book. Um, I'm going to plug it right there alongside Champagne and What's Crying's My Own, but it's tremendous. And off the back of that, Adrian set up unit editions so that they could handle everything with the with the design, the uh, the you know the, the editing of all these books. So they do so many cool design books in the you know visual communication, real broad range of awesome stuff. So go and check them out. Wow, I'm kind of breathless. I'm going to take you to the conversation because it's just it's one of uh, the best ones I've had so far and Adrian is truly inspiring as you would imagine. So let's get down to that. Get me your feedback at Arrestonomics on the Twitter, facebook.com forward slash Arrestonomics and I'm out there at Ben Talon if you want to hit me personally. But it's, it's wonderful. So here we go. Adrian Shaughnessy at the Royal College of Art taking us through his legendary career. The way that things gone so digital in the media, I think it, it's obviously it's, it's got its drawbacks, but I also think it's this great it's great tools to do what maybe 15, 20 years ago would have taken yeah. you thousands of pounds worth of kit. Exactly. I mean, that, that's the big change. I think, I think it's empowered designers in a way that wasn't previously available. But I still think designers need to have a a different mindset because, and when I say designers, I mean illustrators, yeah. directors, like you know, typographers. I think um, the world is changing. Uh, one, one of the things that kind of freaks me out is the way everything is a template now. 
mm. you know, and if you, so you could, you could start a business with a Facebook page. Whereas before you'd have to get your designer in and yeah. you know and do a brochure and yeah, but people can get up and running with a with a Facebook page. So I think it's it's forced designers, creative people, to just become more entrepreneurial and think about are these skills that I've got can I use them for other things? And mm. I think it's um, I think it's really incumbent on people to make use of those skills. I, that's, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, just in my own experience, it, on one level, you can either look at it as a huge negative in that I'm up against th- you know thousands upon thousands of others on the same platform. But then also, if I get that right and I find the true essence of why I'm that, that I'm doing, that's a little bit different. Yeah. Then actually, it's like say it cuts out a lot of cost, and yeah. you can go right into it. Yeah. Um, you know, again, I think everything to that end, the whole digital conversation has got massive positives and negatives. Yeah. It's just it's how yeah. you, it's how you yeah. like anything else. Yeah. It's if you use that as a tool. Yeah. But, but the one thing that's not going to happen is it's not going to go back the way it was. No, never will, and it never does. And I think um, we just have to face up to that and realise that. And I agree totally with what you said. That huge advantages, but there's some downsides too. Cost of that. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, budgets are just a joke these days. I mean, you know. Mm clients want you to do work and they offer you, you know, derisory amounts of money. Yeah. That's changed. Um, but they know that, as, again, as you said, there's thousands of people who do, if you don't do the work, there's thousands of people that will. Yeah. Um, and I think it's led to a kind of a devaluation of what we do. Um, so again, that, but that says to me, we have to be more proactive and entrepreneurial mm. and smarter, just think smarter. Yeah. With a, yeah, without a doubt, there seems to be a growing amount of collective movements at the minute fight explicitly for that not working for free and yeah. not yeah. understanding yeah, 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 yeah. and I always make make a point whenever I do a talk or write well not every piece because that's themed but in the talks I always make a point of telling students about the, the importance yeah. of respecting the fact that you've spent X amount of time in education yeah. and X amount of pounds yeah. you know and that you, you're a professional like yeah, anyone else yeah, yeah, um, yeah. doesn't matter if you're at the bottom of the ladder yeah. you still have a specialist skill that somebody wants yeah. you know yeah. Is that something you cover in, in you know, here? Yeah. Um, not really. Only because, only because. I mean, this is all postgraduate here, so everybody here is kind of, in some respects, and the, again, it's a good side and the bad side of this. In some respects, the students are, that are here are kind of moving away from. They, some of them come from practice. Some of them have been working in really well-known design groups or you know, working as an illustri- illustrator. Um, and they come here in a way, not to escape that, but to really look at alternatives. So mm. sometimes when we, we talk to them about professional matters, they're kind of just blank because yeah. they're here for two years, and that's unusual that it's a two-year course. Um, and so they want to immerse themselves in experimentation. Sometimes towards the end of their second year, we get frantic emails saying, oh, can I talk to you about um, portfolios and stuff? But <laughs> if we try and introduce that during the year, it's an interesting point actually because I, I even you know I was always very passionate and very and very driven. At the same time, I wasn't ready to hear any of that stuff until well, exactly, until yeah. the last sort of yeah. month or two when it starts to really kick in. Yeah. And, but also, I think there's an argument to be said that this is optimum time, like you said, for yeah. experimentation yeah, yeah, and yeah. play. Yeah. And also, as we will probably both know, the ultimate way to learn that stuff is just by going out there and learning the hardware. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So yeah. and, and I think very few of them who come here want to go into, in fact, I would say none of them, want to go into what, you know, you and I might call professional, the professional world. They, they, we, we did some research recently and we discovered that um, most, of, most of our grads um, go into this kind of hybrid, strange space where they do something this day, something different, you know, they run, run workshops, they do a bit of teaching, a lot of our students go to teaching. Um, not full-time, but, but part-time teaching. Uh, they'll run their own studio, and then they might work for somebody one day a week or something. So it's this kind of hybrid. Mm. Um, so it's very difficult to um, direct them and say... But then remember, that they're postgraduates, so some of them have been working. Some of them have yeah. seen what it's like, and they don't want it. Yeah. Um, they want to look at alternative ways of... Yeah, of surviving. That's a good point because you do. You always there's always that risk that you fall into either a, a sort of fixed style that you become so known for yeah. that you can't escape it, yeah, or yeah. you end up in a job where you are just a hand, and, yeah, then, and yeah. then it's the same thing. I do with the odd a bit of teaching on the hand illustration course at 
St. Martin's. And, oh, yeah, um, yeah. and it's always, there's always a strong percentage of people in there that are coming from a graphic design position, yeah, yeah, yeah. for example, where they don't feel they've got a creative outlet. Yeah. So that's interesting, yeah. yeah. That. yeah. So where are you from, Adrian, originally? Uh, well, originally, I was, I was born in Glasgow yeah. a long time ago. And, uh, but I've lived in London since I started work, which was kind of sometime in the 70s. I've been here ever since. So yeah. This is, for me, this is home. I, um, whenever I go anywhere else, I always think of London as home, but mm. um, I've been, yeah, I've been here. Yeah. Man and boy. And so. Did you sort of come from a creative family or were No, well, not, not really. Um, my, my mother was, she was definitely artistic. Um, but I just, I mean, my, I, my like, like so many people, my generation, I wanted to be in a band. That was all I could <laughs> think of. What other life is there? Couldn't imagine any other life. Mm. And then I had this small problem of not being musical. <laughs> uh, not, not that that stopped some people from a very successful career in music. <laughs> and, and the weird sort of thing was that the, the, the kind of escape valve for me was... Um, was album covers and I and I, I was in, I just loved them. I just thought album covers were the most fantastic thing. Um, and but I I um, I didn't go to art school. I, um, I I made a rotten mess of my early life. I just drifted around, and um, eventually I got a job not as a designer, but I got a job in a studio. Um, and I said to the guy who ran the studio one day, I said, uh, I can do this. And weirdly, I had this, because this is pre-digital, I had this weird kind of epiphany in that I saw for the first time old-fashioned mechanical artwork, mm. key lines, paste up, and I, I just understood it. I just got it. I could see what was happening here. Because mm. I'd looked at so much printed work, it kind of made sense to me, and I sort of instinctively knew. And I said to this guy, I said, can you... Um, can do this and he said <laughs> and then one day he said there's a desk at the back there it's quite a big studio and he said park yourself and that was it and, and I had to survive I had to produce artwork and no, no training but I was surrounded by these older guys who were fantastic they mm. really and they would help me um, they, they'd tell me how to do something and that was it I, mean, they would never, I could never go back to them because they had jobs you know they were busy so I could never say oh how did you so I had to work it out for myself, and, and um, weirdly, for a long time, and I quite quickly got the hang of it, and I was doing work, and weirdly, I used to think, I used to be anti-art school, I used to think art schools are, you know, much better to learn on the job. And it was a long time before, and then, because I had a studio, I had a studio for... 15 years, and um, it was only towards the end of that period that I started to go into art schools, I started to go and do talks, and I got to know some tutors, and I realised that I was completely wrong, I, and, and, and I regret it, I don't, you know, I don't lose any sleep over it, but I think I, think I, would, be, I would be better if I, had, um, if I had had a proper art school training. Um, but equally, art schools then, in the 70s, were not the same as they are now. I mean, I think no. art schools are really progressive places. Mm. And I look back sometimes and I used to meet tutors in the 80s who were teaching wine labels and stuff like that, you know. Mm. I, 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 but I look at the tutors now and, and you know, they're fantastic people. They're people, yeah. really inspiring people. I've stayed friends with probably 80% of my tutors, you know, good friends. I mean, they're yeah. real, real mentors. Yeah, 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 yeah. You know, that, I mean, and the best ones, as I'm sure you'll, you'll sort of testify, um, are the ones who can work with individuals, you know. It's, I mean, you know, one of my, I remember one of my tutors taking me to one side because I, I just, for a year, my first year at college, to be taking graphic design, I drew so rigidly and so yeah. tight. Yeah. And he was getting sick of it because he'd seen this expressive life, life drawing that, you know, totally different psychology. Yeah. Yeah. And he took me to one side and I, left. I think it's the first time I'd ever heard a teacher fully swear and, you know, just yeah, this yeah. machine gun of profanities. And yeah, yeah. If I don't see this in that, you know, 20 minutes, gave me a set of pens. He said, keep it, I know you'll put them to good use, you're a dedicated student. I was so scared and he came back and um, I think, you know, it worked for me and, and that was the very beginnings of what's become a quite an organic style. Mm. And I just think that he knew that I, he'd seen me in the way I behaved around yeah. the class, bit of a joker, and he knew that I could take the heat, whereas yeah. 
that would have broken other students. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. often the crux yeah. of good, yeah. good teaching. Yeah. Yeah. They have, they're, they're psychologists as well as being practitioners. Mm. And, and I, think, um, I think that's essential. But um, yeah, I mean, I think, I think a, good, a good teacher is, is a fantastic thing. Mm. You know, I, 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 look, I look back now and I regret it. But it was only because I kind of immediately started being a professional designer and I, I kind of, I, I thought, you're not going to get this from, from a, an art school education. But you get, you get something else. You get, the, you get, we talked about it earlier, but you get the experimentation and the, mm-hmm. and the sense of freedom. And I never had that because as, as, as soon as I was qualified, if you can call it that, but as soon as I was basically competent, I was, I was working. I, and, yeah. and, and I never had that time when you could... In a way, I'm doing it now, I'm doing it the other way. I was going to say, yeah, there must yeah. be an element of that. Yeah, there is, there is, because I gave up studio life, you know, yeah. 15 years of running the studio, and, and that was intense, you know, that was... Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, I'm right thinking you grew from, was it two of you that found it, yeah, yeah, the yeah. intro, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. I mean, what, what did it expand to? Well, at one point, at the, at the height of the dot-com thing, there was 40 of us. I, wow. I went around one day, kind of, was... Bloody forty people, <laughs> and weirdly, the funny thing about forty people is actually, it's actually easier than, than when when there's sort of six or seven of you because when you when you're that size, you've always got people to do the work. Mm. So as long as the work's coming in, that's the key. Obviously. Of course, yeah. But, but in that boom time, that dot com thing, you know, we had people phoning us up and begging us to do work. Wow, um, it doesn't happen now, obviously, but. Um, but then you could throw the right number of people out. You could say, "You three go and do that." And it yeah. was, so and weirdly, it was it was easier. But as soon as the work, um, because it was the dot com crash, as soon as the work slowed up, then it became a real problem. And, mm. But we never had to, you know, we never had to make people redundant. It was always a kind of natural process. Yeah. Was it an organic growth? I mean, did, what was? Yeah, the, did, did you have an initial plan or? Okay, no, no, completely organic. I mean, there was me and my then partner, Katie, business partner, she's a wonderful person. And we set up, we had one employee, so it was three of us on day one. And we just wanted to do good work. And um, that was 89. And the 90s were a pretty good time. I mean, there was, you know, it was a lot, I think it was the last kind of, I mean, we, 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 we could pretty much survive doing music business work. Mm-hmm. You know, and that yeah. would, you couldn't do that now. I mean, you just could not. Budgets were, and towards the end of that, towards the end of the 90s, the budgets were being cut and cut and cut. Mm. And so we knew we couldn't, but we'd sort of branched out by then. We were doing other stuff, uh, and um, I, uh, I, you know, I just think that it's, it, for me, it sort of came to a natural end. I, 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 partly this thing I was talking about earlier, sort of wanting to go into a more fluid and flexible and kind of semi-experimental, and also I've become I've become interested in writing, um, mm. and. You can't really run a studio with you know, 25, 30 people, wherever it was, and, and they'd be, oh, I'm going to write 2,000 words on yeah. the current state of typography. It just doesn't, it just doesn't you work. Yeah, that sometimes, you know, I start thinking, what am I going to fit? Just my opinion pieces, I'm one man, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. No, I know, I know. It's, it's, a, it's, 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 it's a lot of work. Yeah. And um, so it was it's sort of a whole combination of things, but I just felt that, um, and it, but it goes back to this thing about never having never having a kind of period when I was free and, mm. you know, sort of able to experiment, really. Yeah. So, you know, and so with the more music stuff, I find it really interesting because I met on an earlier episode, I was fortunate enough to chat with Rob O'Connor from Style Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And a lovely, lovely fella. And, yeah. and I grew up, um, you know, practically worshipping Blur, so for, yeah, me, for yeah. that early work yeah, they'd done, yeah. had such a personal resonance with me. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and and the rest of the iconic stuff, yeah. but they're another one who, who, like you said, did a huge percentage of their yeah. business in music. Which, yeah. Yeah. and it's sadly it's an industry that's really, I guess, being damaged by the digital yeah. revolution. No, it's completely, um, it's completely changed. Um, I, I still have a couple of um, labels that I do a little bit of work for, but it, I guess not, it's, I don't do it for the money. I do it because it's, it's interesting work. Um, but we used to. I mean, we would get. Decent budgets to go, and I don't think I don't think you need big money to do good work, but you need you need to be paid for what you do. Yeah. Um, but we would we would get enough 
money to do art direction, you know, often hire a good photographer, go on a good location, um, and, you know, do interest, interesting, interesting things. Um, but I, I, I don't want to suggest that you always need lots of money to do good work, but um, anyway, the budgets just became ridiculous. They just got yeah. cut and cut and cut. And um, it became, we, 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 you know, we, we saw it for a mile off that it wasn't going to. Remember, we did a really, really big Depeche Mode job. Um, and um, the guy from the label, who's a friend of mine, he said, um, oh, just, he said, this will never happen again. Because it was enough money to go to the States and do all these photo shoots and we made stuff and we made um, objects to shoot in locations and he said it will never happen again. <laughs> and, and he was right, it didn't. So it's, um, That's interesting because I'm, I'm in this position in my own career now where I've, I've spent seven years um, full time as an illustrator, yeah. which, which that once upon a time was that was the dream, you know, yeah, yeah. I signed a contract. Yeah. Don't get me wrong, I absolutely still adore it, but what's happened is I've, I've been lucky enough to meet and work with really um, forward-thinking creative directors yeah, and art yeah, directors, yeah, and, yeah. and now I've worked on independent film and music, lots of different areas, yeah. and I've been given this almost crash course education of lots of different areas, so I see the bigger picture, and where that's left me is now wanting to push more into that world, into yeah, art direction. Yeah. The thing is, as you said, I come into that now in a, a time that I never knew any different, so yeah, yeah. But what my challenge is going to have to be is to is to work out the best model for me to go and do that. Yeah, you know, I, have yeah. I have close collaborators, photographers, and designers who I work with. Yeah. Um, and my plan is to sort of, you know, almost set up a, a very uncompromising, subversive creative project where we start to do that stuff initially for the love, just between yeah, us, yeah, yeah. to create a body of work to then yeah. go out there and hopefully attract work that only comes to us for, for that level of creativity. Yeah, yeah. We're gonna have to be very savvy to make yeah, that work yeah, yeah. in this day and age. So yeah. it's, a, it's an exciting challenge, but also yeah. it's a slightly daunting one. But um, it's interesting. Yeah, yeah. You know. but I think, I think one of the keys there is you're, you're not doing it on your own. You're, you're actually linking in with other people they bring their connections. And it's something I say to the students here is, is you're always part of a network and, and you need to use that network. Yeah. And, and you know, everybody who graduates from here, go, somebody goes back to Korea, somebody goes and works in you know, Liverpool or something. I said, that's a network. Yeah. And make, you know, make sure you keep those connections alive because we had a, we had a funny enough, she was an illustrator, we had a student come back recently and she said, when she left here, it was a complete culture shock because she hadn't, she hadn't prepared for, for life after um, postgraduate study. But she said, she, this was our, I think she'd been out for about two years, and she said she was fully, fully stretched and occupied now, but that everything that happened to her had come through the, this unofficial network. You know, it's not, it's not official, it's just the students hmm. knowing each other, keeping, like you were saying, keeping in touch with tutors and all that stuff. Um, so you're, it's what you're doing, you're, you're entering into networks, and those networks should, will, sustain you. Yeah, keep that well that's exactly it. I mean, the, the, the reason I'm doing this podcast is thanks to my network, the reason the book came about is network every, every yeah, single yeah. thing that I do I could, yeah, I, yeah. I could put together the web and, and draw yeah. that out you know yeah, and I, yeah. I think that's a beautiful thing in this industry yeah. you know and I yeah. think it's absolutely yeah. imperative for survival as yeah. well yeah. Yeah. you know um, didn't I'm not you know, didn't understand that at university no, no, uh, no I wish yeah. I hated well not wish because I, I found out properly and yeah. learned but yeah. um, you know I, I now totally get why my you know illustration shoot was telling me to get down to graphics yeah, and, yeah. and web design and, yeah. and, and make yeah, those yeah. contacts while I could yeah, yeah. no one acts on it at that age yeah, but yeah. There you go. You know, like you said, maybe the students have gone away into the real world and come back yeah. and will actually see a bit yeah. more value in yeah. that. Yeah, I think they do. Um, yeah. so um, this is a bit of a geeky question, but I have um, one of my favourite pieces is the um, the uh, Exterminator primal oh, screen yeah, yeah, cover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, did that seem to be a bit of a pioneering piece in the way that you used, will that be the right term, misappropriated existing imagery um, in the collage yeah, yeah. style? Yeah, well, it was, I mean, the the designer was a guy called Julian House. Yeah. Um, and the funny thing about Julian was that he, somebody in the, somebody in the studio said to me, you should see this guy, he's, he's looking for a job. And I thought, oh, okay. <laughs> and um, I, I, so I sat him down and, and went through his work. And I didn't, to be absolutely honest, I didn't see anything in it particularly. But I liked him, I thought he was interesting. And um, he actually looked very ill, and it turned out much later he was ill. Um, 
But he, um, he came on board and he didn't do anything very interesting for about, about six months. He, and I was beginning to think, you know, are you going to work out and, you mm. know, what's, what's, what's he going to do here? And it was, it was at a time when we were fairly busy, so it didn't really matter, but I, I was totally, I wasn't convinced by him. And through a long, it's a long story, again, it's sort of, well, it wasn't even network, it was a kind of weird connection that, that um, Primal Scream came to see us. And they'd seen a piece of work that we'd done, not, not by Julia, something, uh, and it was a, an old, uh, it was a reggae sleeve, a label called Love and Fire, which was a, actually a Manchester label, hmm. Manchester dub label. And um, they came in, they used to be, it's a long story, but they, they we used to be above a studio called Matrix, and they'd been done in Matrix with Adrian Sherwood doing some remixing. Mm. And they came up, it was late at night, and they looked in, and they saw this dub sleeve on the wall. So they knocked on their door, and I was, I was the only one in the building. And they came in, a long chat with them, and I thought they were fantastic. I was so, I really loved them. And um, they said, we want that for our next sleeve, and it was a kind of collage thing. <laughs> and, um, but when I spoke to, the next day I spoke to everybody about it, I said, well, Primal Screenball has to do their next album. And Julian said, oh, I'm really going to do it because I'm a big fan. And I said, well, it's not really your work, but they like it. But we went to see them and um, everything was fine. And, and so Julian did it. But he was, he, he's a kind of interesting, he's I mean, a fascinating guy, but he's a, a, an illustrator designer. And, and he's a really good, he would always call himself a graphic designer, but he works in image images. And he was doing weird things at the time, like putting images into Quark Express and stuff, and sort of, he's, he's very subversive in the way he works. And they just fell in love with it, and they would come in, and, and we'd sit and talk to them for hours, and it was mainly about music, about drugs, music, more about drugs. <laughs> they, um, I was just to say that they were like, they used to talk about drugs like wine connoisseurs. They were, <laughs> they were, they were, it was amazing. And, um, but they were, they were the, in fact, I often, I've often said this in interviews and things, but they were the, they were the nicest people we've ever worked for. Um, they were just so appreciative. Mm. And we had this, we had one issue with, with them, which it wasn't with them, it was with the label in that, um, we had this idea that we would drop the vowels from the name. Mm. And it was right at the beginning of text messaging, and the label company, Creation, said, you can't do that, you can't, you can't spell our band's name wrongly. And we said, well, you know, and I remember having, I remember I had to go for a meeting to try and convince them. And they said, well, we try it on a radio, there was a radio edit, they produced a little um, CD single as a radio edit, just for radio. And they, apparently they got lots of really good feedback from that. And yeah. And the band liked it, and they always liked it. And eventually, it just sort of went through, kind of. And then NME would run stories about Primal Screen dropping all the vowels and stuff. And, yeah. And so they liked it. Suddenly, it became, what can you do as an advert with no vowels? <laughs> and stuff? Um, but it was. I mean, that was Julian's um, work. I mean, he he um, he just he kind of understood them very well, and he got their references. They they and the. the they're often criticised for being a kind of copyist band because they, you know, they endlessly recycle. But I think, I, 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 so what? And also, I think they do it well. Their reference points are great. So working visually with them, mm. the reference points were great. They would get obscure visual references yeah. and, and, and and be really appreciative of them. Yeah. Do you think that? Do you, th do you think that sort of style? Because it seems to be something that I've seen often replicated then. Yeah. From that point on, do you think yeah. that's sort of created a legacy almost, or a new direction? I think so. I think I, I, I definitely, I definitely do. I think that it was. I mean, for we lived off that sleeve for a long time. We had, we got calls from bands, mainly from bands actually. We, we mm. get calls from American bands who who are Primal Screen fans, and and um, so yeah, I think it created. Also, the video was really important. I don't know if you ever saw the video, but we made a video in that style as well, mm. and that was. There was the Kill All Hippies video. Yes. One of the and that, that generated for us um, tons of interest, including even things like ad agencies would call up and they'd mm. want Coca Cola. I can't remember if it was Coca Cola, but we, we got some funny inquiries from 
ad agencies wanting that cut up style mm. and um, it uh, so yeah it was the, but it's, it's a kind of interesting lesson isn't it in that we all benefit from if you do a piece of work that really kind of resonates then that generates that generates more work so yeah um, it still stand out now. You know that's the thing. It's really yeah. the time. It's still yeah. it's got its own place. Yeah, yeah. Uh, funnily enough, I was looking at some of the some of the the twelve inches that came out of that same, and they're actually fantastic. They're a bit more they're a bit more minimal, um, but I think they benefit from being stripped down. But yeah, I mean that was a really and the thing about brown screen was when when a, when something was finished and they had they always come in and just come into the studio and just say thank you. It was, That's it's, brilliant, isn't it's it? It's fantastic. What a great relationship. I know, it was amazing. I'm working with a band at the moment. I do a lot of music sleeves yeah. myself. Yeah. Uh, as a sort of project, just to, as a vehicle to get that work when yeah. I was in Manchester. And I'm working with a band called The Hanging a Kill at the moment, a uh, two-piece two hard rock. Yeah. First album's coming out soon. They're really starting to pick up some good press now. Yeah, and yeah. it's fantastic because we're, we're good friends just from yeah. being at the same opera yeah, night yeah, in Manchester. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But... That relationship is something I sought for a long time. Uh, a, a real, a real, you know, it's real mutual. Yeah. Uh, they don't come at me with bad ideas. All the ideas yeah. they come at me with are good. And it's, we, you know, we never blow anyone's ideas out of the water. And it's very much yeah. a lot of respect there. They love what I do. I really love what they yeah. do. Yeah. And it's yeah. just a really good symbiotic relationship. Yeah. And, yeah. and I searched high and low for that for a long time before I actually found it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you it's, know, it's, it's valuable. But I think it's how you get the best work. Absolutely. Yeah, you have to have that relationship and, yeah. and um, you know th that primal scoop thing if we hadn't had those valves dropped but they were they, they stuck their guns and, and they said no we want it and, mm. um, so you've got to have that trust and that kind of and that's there's a lot to be said whether it's a student listening or someone who's in a rut to, to be said about actually fighting for, fighting for an idea you know? oh yeah, yeah, yeah the amount of times yeah. it's only this has become a latter day thing for me uh, as I progress in my career where I've now got the balls I guess to, to actually say sometimes no to a client and have yeah. you considered this because yeah. I really think yeah. Yeah. this yeah. is how it yeah. would work yeah. in the beginning I was just glad of any work yeah. Yeah. you know yeah. 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 now but, I, but I, equally you have to be careful about that because because as, as, as we all know it that can backfire and yeah. I just I just think one of the prop one of the is it a problem one of the issues shall we say with design is that clients are savvy you know and, and you know I think back to when I started there was a the clients thought there was a mystery they couldn't they didn't know what you did, but they do now. Mm. You know, they've seen how Macs work and, and how software can deliver. Oh yeah. Instant. Yeah. So the, the mystique is gone, and but what that means is that it's harder sometimes to argue for something because. Yeah. Um, I, I, you know, I find that. I, 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 again, you can't fight it because it's sort of the way, the way the world is. Yeah. Yeah. So somebody told me that there's, there's two sorts of doctors now. That, Talking about GPs, there's one sort that because um, everybody, whenever anybody has an ailment, what do you do? You go online, you check it. You check yeah. It, you know, I've got a, you know, I've got a boil on my chin. What do I, what do I do? And and um, <laughs> so you look it up and you take it in and say, oh look, I'm really worried. And there's, <laughs> there's two sorts of doctors. One lot, one says, oh don't don't, don't look at the internet. It's all. Uh, but there's the other sort that says, oh, okay, thank you, I haven't come across this, this is really helpful. And I think we have to be a bit like that kind, of little, mm. the latter. We just have to be a bit more accepting of the fact that clients are not stupid anymore, yeah. you know, or are, are not um, ignorant anymore. They do, yeah. they do know, and, they, and they've got much... You know, the thing about the internet is you can... I saw something, where was it today? Um, you know, with, if you design a website, the the analytics will tell you whether it's working or not. Yeah. And we used to be able to bluff away out of design, we could bluff away out of things, oh no, it's fine, it's great. Well actually it's not because no one's visiting or <laughs> people are only staying for two There's no hiding places. There's no hiding place. So <laughs> we have to we have to I totally agree with you, we have to be confident and believe in what we do. Yeah. But we also have to realise that it's it's a world where, you know, everything can be measured. Oh yeah, you the know. compromise is crucial yeah. and parameters are essential, you know, it's, um, if we all just had full creative reign, that yeah. would, I wouldn't want that, you know, no, exactly. yeah. it's, a, it's a beautiful thing when you succeed to a, yeah. to a, a challenge that's Absolutely. quite yeah. refined, you, yeah. Know? Yeah. I, you know, on that point, the whole disagreeable thinking stuff, um, I'm a, a massive fan of Ken Garland, he was, I wrote about my, my dissertation and I know right. that through your, um, 
through your publisher, yeah, you yeah. did the, the, the book, right? Yeah, Ken's work. Yeah, what an honor. Yeah, yeah, well, that was fantastic. Was that uh, something yeah. you, you approached him for? Uh, yeah, yeah. I heard on the grapevine that somebody was trying to do it. I got tipped off again, and that works. I got <laughs> tipped off that someone was working on a Ken Garland monograph and there was a problem with it. The person doing it had hit a problem, but not, not to do with Ken, but with our own schedule or whatever. And the, the rumour I heard was it wasn't going to happen. So this person who told me this had also mentioned to Ken, because this was, I mean, we haven't really talked about this, but you know, my, when, when I gave up um, studio life intro, I, one of my ambitions was to, to, go, to publish, to be, to be a publisher. And um, because again, it goes back to this idea of designers being able to do more than just wait for the next job to, to come in. Yeah. Can we actually make our own, can we be our own clients? So I'd started with um, uh, my friend Tony Brook. I'd started um, Unit Editions. And we'd, I think we we're on to our third or fourth book or something quite early in, the, in that. And I thought, oh, okay. So I emailed him, I think I emailed him. And um, being being Ken, he said, oh, come around. So I went around and um, you've met him, haven't you? Yeah, yeah, the yeah. same thing, yeah. 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 which yeah. blew my mind. Yeah. Yeah. He's <laughs> so charming and, and such an old charmer and so seductive. That, and I left that day saying, oh, I'd, I'd love you to do it, get on with it. So I thought, oh, God, that's fantastic. Wow. The, the other huge plus is that um, he's kept everything. You've, you've seen it. I mean, he's, oh, he's, yeah, that wall of yeah, books. And yeah, that. he's kept everything. So every piece of work he's ever done is kept. So all we did was we, we went there for a week uh, and we shot, photographed everything. And he was so helpful. And um, uh, so it, it was a painless, enjoyable um, mm. thing. And, and um, I interviewed him. We talked for two days. And then I went off and wrote, I don't know what it is. 20,000 words or something. And um, he couldn't have been more supportive. And, yeah. and um, so, I, you know, he's, he's like you, he, uh, he's one of my heroes. I mean, I, I, I think he's amazing. And I think we owe him, we all owe him something. Talk about I, legacy and yeah. important, important work, yeah. I, we've only discovered Banks you know, at the very early stages, and I wanted to write about the uh, graphic act activism side yeah, of stuff. Yeah, yeah. And that was how I discovered Ken yeah. Garland and Black Will Lorat, yeah, yeah. and yeah. Uh, the First Things First manifesto. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, then I did a charity campaign about um, mental health and the links with the positive links with creativity. Yeah. Uh, and I, I thought I came across an interview with Ken in I Magazine. Right. And thought, yeah. oh my God, Ken Garland, why did he never occur yeah. to me for this project? Yeah. Emailed him, didn't get anything back for three weeks. So I thought, of course he's not got back to me. Yeah, yeah, he doesn't yeah, even know yeah, who I am. Yeah. Next day, come around for coffee. I was in yeah. Manchester at the time, straight on the train down. Yeah, just, right, yeah. And just, you know, and he gave me the book and then that's when I saw that you designed and done yeah, that book and I was like, oh wow, yeah. okay, this all makes yeah, sense. Yeah, just yeah. amazing, yeah. you know, talk about networks, but, yeah, right, right. <laughs> but what a lovely fellow. And you know, he yeah, yeah. must have taught me for about an hour and a half. Oh and yeah, so. no, he talked forever. And the funniest bit was he said to me, uh, I was telling him that I did the odd test teaching and I said, St. Martin's and he went, sorry, what? And I said, I'll oh, St. Martin's. I thought he'd not heard me and he said, sorry, what? <laughs> I said, Central State Mines, no, no, thank no. you. No, 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 no. And I loved that. I was like, yeah, yeah that's fantastic. No, he did that to me too. Yeah. He, um, that's his thing. Because when he was there, it was Central. <laughs> he, um, no, he's, he's amazing. I, I, to, see, to see that passion uh, yeah, no, for, for yeah, an older statesman, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, it's yeah, inspiring yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, on a lot of levels, you know. Um, it's been, do you think? I mean, do you think we need more of that at the minute, that kind of disruptive thinking? Or do you think it's just become a bit dispersed with the overload of information that we've got. Yeah, a bit of, bit of that. Um, I, I think the biggest problem is that as soon as you do anything subversive, it ends up as a, a Nike ad or, you know. Or, yeah. I mean, it's, you know, um, yeah. I mean, I, I, there's, there's interesting things going on in that field. I mean, the whole Occupied movement and... Um, There's a lot of, I mean, it's a, there's a big thing here actually. There's a lot of, here at the RCA, there's a lot of students interested in um, activist based work. So I think it exists, uh, but I just think it's, it's like everything else, it's a bit harder to, to mm. do. Than, than you have to be more clever than ever, I guess. You have to be clever, clever than ever, and you, have to, you also probably have to be digital. 
Mm. Um, there's something I was looking the other day at um, some campaigns now to try and oppose endless rent increases and the fact that now nobody can rent in London mm. for under a million pounds a day. And um, it's interesting how important graphic design is in, in just in things like that, in, mm. you know, to produce the collateral that, that, that makes it takes a stand on that. So yes. It's interesting. There's certainly a big call for it. Let's face it, with the troubles we have. But like you say, I think you have to be more savvy and digital and yeah. tech-wise. Yeah. You know, which is yeah. it's interesting. I'm fascinated to see where it goes. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That'd be good. So, um, so with the whole publishing thing, was that something yeah. you had aspirations of for a while? The, the writing. I mean, yeah, you had, yeah. You know, the how to be a graphic designer without losing your soul was yeah. hugely successful. Yeah, it was, um, and that was that was a funny thing because. Uh, you know, similar to your ambition, I, 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 I wanted to, I, wanted to I, I was reading about graphic design all the time and I was buying all the books, but no one seemed to be really talking about the bad stuff and, and the fact that, and also I saw more and more kids going into studying and I was thinking, what, what impression have they got of this world? What, do, they, do they think it's all Peter Saville and, you know, because it's, it's not. It's, so I didn't. I didn't want to be. Um, I didn't want to be, because I still think it's a good thing to do. I think. I think a design education, even you know, Hartley graphic designers, ten years old now. So um, then and now, I still think it's a worthwhile thing to study. Um, I think there's a merit in having a design education, um, but you have to be aware that it's not a passport to instant instant success, you do not become PSL or Stefan Sagmeister or hell no. Hell no. <laughs> um, so I wanted to write the truth, I wanted to write what happens when you get work rejected, because no one tells you, you know, PSL doesn't... Exactly, that motivation is Yeah, yeah right, exactly. So I wrote that, but that got that out of my system and I kind of, um, I sort of then, but by that time I'd sort of, I'd been out of the studio life and, and I, I was less interested in that, in that area, although I'm glad I've done that, and it still sells, I still get um, royalty checks, which is amazing. Anyway, um, but I was beginning to do a few, I'd done a few books with a publisher, and I was finding working with mainstream publishers, ah, really frustrating, and I, it was that thing about, you know, actually, I know what graphic designers want. I mean, th there was a huge row over the, um, the cover for how to be a graphic designer because they wanted an image on there. And I said, no, honestly, typography is a serious book. Typography is the right thing. Designers like typography. Um, let's do it typograph typographically. And I had to really fight for that one. Um, mm. So I thought, I don't want to do this with every book. And also, I was very frustrated by the way the publishing world works. It's incredibly slow. Uh, and so um, I, um, I didn't know at the time, but I met um, Tony Brook, Tony Runs Spin, and interestingly, he'd done some publishing. He produced a few um, publications, really good ones, um, mainly kind of newsprint type thing. And um, so I could see he was sort of doing it, and we just it just sort of happened. We we both discovered we had this ambition to be publishers, so we set it up. And um, we, we, the first book we published was a book called Studio Culture, which was about, and again, I thought, here's something that no one's writing about. How do you start a studio? You see all these kids coming out of college. Mm. How do you start a studio? What do you do? Yeah. And so we interviewed lots of people who've done it, and that did really well. We did that with the book trade, and it was painful. I mean, really painful. Uh, you've got to give it. The, you've got to give them the finished book months in advance. They then sell it around the world, uh, and then maybe eighteen months later, a little bit of money comes in. So, ah, you know. <laughs> so we thought, let's just reinvent this. And so, pretty much ever since, we've been one hundred percent internet. Um, and the only place you can get our books are through our website. Um, except we've. There's a real advantages in being in, in some shops. Um, not the big shops, but, but the, the cool... Magma. Have I seen Mag Magma? Yeah, I've seen yeah. Well, we, 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 we deal with Market Magma, and people, are, people in Japan, and, and, and it's just, they ring us up, and they buy you know, 20, 30 copies, whatever it is, 
uh, and we send it to them direct. And so we have no distribution. Um, we've got a place that sends the books out, but they're uh, just a pattern. Right, so it's just you just the internet and the distribution. Yeah. Yeah. We used to do it ourselves, we used to have a room with a book, be full of books. Oh, that's yeah. time consuming. Yeah, it is, it is. <laughs> but it worked, it worked pretty well. Yeah. Um, and it kept our costs because the whole point is we've got no funding, we, everything we do we have to do ourselves. Um, but the internet, again, goes back to what we were talking earlier about how there's so many good things about the internet and digital culture, but there's also some downsides. The really good side is that we can sell our books directly to people who are interested in them. And, yeah. we, and through social media, we can talk to them. We can we can have conversations, dialogue. Um, it's we we couldn't survive. We wouldn't last five minutes without the internet. Yeah, it's it really is amazing, isn't it? it I, is, I, yeah. I had Rod Hunt on the show. I've not released the episode yet, but um, Rod was telling me many horror stories of couriers and, and yeah. oh, through yeah, internet yeah. and you oh, know, yeah, yeah. running across London at deadline. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. We had a guy. We employed a. This was not. This was not intro. We employed a guy once. Because we were spending so much on bikes, we employed a guy, and he went off one lunchtime and had a bit of a sort of breakdown. He left a bag of four thousand quid's worth of trannies in, oh. in Soho Square. Never seen them again. Oh god! But you know, hey, you can, you can yeah. I mean, but then what's worse, coming into your studio and finding all your all your kit has been stolen. So it's, yeah. yeah so. But it's um, yeah. So so publishing was just a way for me. It's it's what I'm interested in, mm. and. Tony's interested in, but but it's a way also of, of kind of using the stuff that I've learned um, to make to be our own client, to be our own client really. That, that's mm. what that's what really interests me. It's brilliant, isn't it? I mean, that's what I'm doing with this. It's you know, I chatted to Harry, uh, the director at Illustration, where I'm represented by. Yeah. And I said, look, I love this media stuff. I'm really like enjoying writing the opinion pieces. I, I yeah. brought this book out. It it, it started from. Uh, raw emotion and became this book. I'd love to continue doing that, so keep me in mind if any yeah, yeah, real opportunities. Yeah, yeah. And I just said, well, I listen to a lot of podcasts. Yeah. Do you? And it turned out that I did. And they said, yeah. well, what have you thought about that? Yeah. 200 quid later, I had this mic. Yeah, uh, yeah. And I you know, spent six hours learning from tutorials online yeah. to, to yeah. edit. Yeah. And suddenly I've got this wonderful excuse to come and meet yeah, people yeah. like yourself yeah, and yeah, sit yeah, in studios. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And in a really nice way, indirectly market myself. You know, It's a way to share inspiration with other yeah, sure. creatives. Yeah. And, and what a wonderful thing. And, and like you say, I, yeah. I don't have any... I don't have the constraints that I would have on a radio show. Yeah. I don't, have, yeah. you know, I don't have to edit anything out unless yeah. it's really ridiculous. But yeah. you know, I, I have got a sense of when yeah. something goes too far, which yeah. it very rarely has done. But yeah. you know, what a beautiful yeah. thing. Um, yeah. But again, you know, it takes initiative and, and drive to do yeah. that. To, but to pre pre digital, that wouldn't be possible. Absolutely not. Yeah. Not, not, not a chance. You yeah. would have needed yeah. a studio yeah. Yeah. to do that. Yeah. yeah. Wow. <laughs> so. Um, well, the last part of the show that I always ask my guests, and it's a bit of an on-the-spot question, but I ask them to name a love and a hate within, um, within, you know, within creative realms, and it can be as throwaway as you want, it can be as deep as you like. It's just, uh, it's just a very open-ended, interesting question, and it's always fascinating yeah. answers. Yeah. Okay, well, it's, um, it's a good question. One of the weird things that's happened to me is um, I used to, all through my kind of working life, I, I sort of... Kind of had a bit of a, a resistance to to design history, and I always used to imagine that if you're interested in design history, you're kind of not interested in in the future, and we all should be interested in the future. And that's kind of it's actually partly Tony's influence because he always had a kind of keen interest in history. But I've become obsessed with um, with um, design from the sixties and seventies. Um, all sorts, it's, it's very wide ranging, you know, Japanese, Polish, but there's just something about that era, that 60s and a bit into the 70s, when there seems to be some, something amazing happened in, in the world, some kind of, you know, that post-war era, something happened, you know, there was this kind of psychedelic revolution and stuff, but it seems to me that the most amazing, it was, it was an amazing time, so I'm, I'm, I'm really interested in so I couldn't name could I, I could name some individual designers that I'm really interested in, but um, I'm just interested in that kind of amazing eruption that took place mm. pretty much in the '60s. Although you could go back sometimes to the '50s and come into the '70s, um, but there was something. And if you look at say, if you look at sort of graphics annuals from mid '60s, they are unbelievable. 
And also, it seems as if clients were kind of, you know, open to, to being different and experimental. Mm. So that's kind of where my passion is. And I sort of, I had to think, well, does that mean I'm not interested in the future? And I, I am. I'm, I'm, you know, oh, of I'm, course. Yeah. I'm still interested in what's going on, particularly here where I see, you know, 23-year-old kids doing fantastic stuff. I just had a tutorial with a Korean student. And, He's doing amazing work. I mean, really, really, really fantastic. But I suppose I just the stuff that really kind of makes me, makes me, makes my heart sing is is that um, amazing mm. kind of sixties post-war yeah. stuff. Something I, I read recently that I really was impressed with, and it kind of very much relates to writing about design. But there's a book by Owen Hatherley, the architecture critic, and he's written a book called The Ministry of Nostalgia. And it's, it sort of begins with a kind of meditation on the keep, keep calm, carry on poster. But he's able to look at that poster and see in that a kind of whole political and social and cultural view of, of, of the present. Why do we, why do people, why are people interested in that funny thing that yeah. wartime poster yeah. never even got circulated, but there's just something about, so he, he calls it austerity nostalgia. Yeah, and he sees it as being a kind of um, a conservative, a sort of desire for security and, and um, kind of retro nostalgia, nostalgia thing. But what, what, what I, the reason I like it so much is that there he is, a contemporary design critic, um, and but he's able to look at design in this big, you know, because what we do, if, you know, we do stuff, we make stuff, it goes out into the world. What impact does it have? How does it how does it change people? How does, mm. it, how does it affect people? And he's just brilliant at analysing that. So that's that's my kind of mm. book of the book of the week. That's fascinating. I'll definitely look that up. Yeah, he's he's an interesting guy. He's an architecture critic, so mostly he writes about architecture. But he's he, he can write about you know he get he gets music. He understands pop culture and stuff. Really smart guy. Mm. Big fan. Brilliant. <laughs> and what about it? Or a negative. Oh, a negative. Oh, <laughs> God. Um, it can, I say, can be as playful as you want. Yeah. Uh, well, I, 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 yeah, this is, maybe this is um, off, off beam a bit, but I've, I've really, really come to hate corporate culture. I really think it's screwing us up big time. Just any encounter you have with a corporation is going to be bad. <laughs> and I just think they're ruining everything and, and I absolutely despise that. I really think it's the worst thing that, I mean it's not the worst thing because there are things that are worse, but I, you know, things like the Syrian and the migration conflict, but you know, that's real, that's really bad. But it's just, it's a kind of blight on modern life that yeah. the way corporates behave and they think they think they can rip people off and uh, I just yeah I, I despise it yeah it's horrid isn't it I completely yeah. agree yeah so that's my hate of the week yeah that, that, I think you get a, a large a large uh, yeah, number of people will go right along with that yeah if you just if you have ever have any contact with your mobile phone company or oh god yeah, yeah. I mean it's oh. just <laughs> it's, it's Kafka. I mean, it just it's makes, horrid, isn't it? Yeah. And 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 I, I, you know, it's I shouldn't be complaining about things like that when you've got the Syrian crisis and, and some real mm -hmm. problems in the world. But I just think life is complicated enough without these fuckers um, me making our lives misery. And it's mm -hmm. and it's to do with it's entirely to do with the profit motive. It's oh, it's, it's reduce the cost of everything and screw everybody else. So, anyway. Yeah, I'm right there with you on that. Good, okay. Ram <laughs> <Right, right> over. <laughs> that's, um, that's, um, yeah, not good. Perfect. Well, thanks ever so much, Adrian. Well, I hope that was Wonderful. good. It seemed to it's brilliant, yeah. go all over the place. but um, Oh, the best ones do. Do they? Okay. <laughs> I'll believe you. If I achieve half the things that Adrian's achieved in his career, I will consider that a wonderful um, success beyond my wildest dreams. It's just, it's incredible when you think about the things the man's done. Um, a true pioneer, a real original thinker, what we're about on this show. So I hope you took 
like I said before, you know, half as much as what I took away from that show. To get to spend an hour with the man was uh, was a real treat, so thanks to Adrian Shaughnessy for that. You can, of course, go and check out unitedditions.com. Go and treat yourself to the books on there. Really wonderful stuff. And, of course, the Royal College of Art, not difficult to find, and nor is Adrian. So check out his columns in Computer Arts. They're brilliant. Um, he just continues to inspire and do ever-forward-thinking stuff, so really exciting times. Thanks to Adrian for that. Thanks to the sponsors, as ever, illustrationweb.com for Illustration Limited, heartinternet.co.uk for Heart Internet, bringing you all the, the latest in the SEO world, uh, the, the hosting, domain names, everything tech, all the stuff we need. It's important to stay on top of all that stuff these days, as we know, in the digital world. And, of course, printed.com. So we're providing both sides of things, and they complement each other perfectly. So thanks to all those guys. Um can't wait for next week's show as well. We're going to be bringing you Adidas Illustrator. Or is it Adidas? I never know. Adidas, Adidas Illustrator. <laughs> Peter O'Toole. Absolutely brilliant stuff. He's based in Huddersfield, um, so I'm going to go and check in with him and hear his full story about how he nailed his dream client, um, Adidas, after you know years of fandom and collecting the shoes himself. It's a really inspiring, f- hilarious story, actually. So I look forward to that one. Thanks for checking in as ever. Share the words, spread the words. Uh, I had a wonderful time down at New Designers and I was able to palm off flyers to everyone. So thanks to everyone who accepted and listened to what I had to say and didn't think I was selling them UPVC windows. <laughs> because that's how I felt, palming out all these all these paraphernalia. But everyone was great. Everyone seemed keen, all the new students, to listen to the show. They were all up on their tech. So keep all that stuff going. Uh Keep checking in. Get the show downloaded. We're on iTunes. Subscribe. Do me a big favour and leave leave us a review too if you get a chance. It's really cool to endorse the show for people who are just discovering it. And of course on SoundCloud where you can download and listen to the show every single week as many times as you like for free thanks to those sponsors. So thanks guys. Cheers. Uh, have a great week and I will see you next time with Peter O'Toole. <laughs>